The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like financial literacy. That is why so many people listen to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. Lionel is a seasoned veteran in the finance industry, but more importantly, Lionel cares about people. He shares his vast knowledge of the finance world in a personal way that goes beyond dollars and cents with advice that makes sense. So let Lionel help you get your finances in order or avoid costly errors in judgment that may be devastating to you and your family. Listen to the Lionel Shipman Check Your Finances show every Tuesday exclusively on the CWR Talk Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. And hello and welcome to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show here on the CWR Talk Network. And I am your host, Lionel Shipman. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. And want to give a big shout out to all of my regular listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. And welcome and big thank you to all of my new listeners. Thank you so much for joining in tonight. And ultimately, I want to thank God for another day to make a positive difference in the lives of other people. Now, we have another great show. I have to say, the uh, Women in Finances series, has, 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 this has been such a huge success. Uh, I'm so uh, glad that I'm so grateful, I would say, for all of the guests that have been here uh, on the show, and especially for this particular series. Uh, a lot of great information that's going out, uh, a lot of great uh, people that are speaking from their professions and talking a little bit about money, but also talking about the challenges, the struggles, the successes that they have had uh, professionally and personally. So, hopefully, you've been you've been getting a lot out of these uh, out of these series or out of these episodes uh, uh, of this particular series. So, again, we're in the uh, I think tonight is the thirteenth episode of the Women in Finances series here on the Shape Your Finances show. So continue to uh, be here week after week. Like I said, these shows started back in January, and they should be running through uh, July and possibly even over into August. I have a a great lineup. It's still more to come. You think that the first uh, 12 or 13 episodes have been great. We still have uh, a few more episodes to go, so tune in every week here um, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, And hopefully you are following me on social media. If you haven't connected with me on social media, I would encourage you to do so. You can catch me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, I also do have a YouTube channel as well. I've posted some videos of some past uh, speaking engagements as well as I have some great success videos out there for students, as well as some other finance videos. So do check that out as well. Uh, My website is www.shipmentconsulting.com. Just go there. You can see the many things that we do through Shipment Consulting, uh, one of which is uh, the radio show. I have a page designated for uh, the radio show. Just click there and you can see the gallery of all the past guests that we've had here 
on the show as well as the other topics that I have addressed. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. We have a great guest tonight. So uh, the call-in number uh, is 917-889-8078. Again, the call-in number is 917-889-8078. If you have any questions or comments for me or for my guest tonight. Uh, If you are not aware, if you you know, we have a live show uh, here every Tuesday, but uh, you can also catch uh, the replay of any of the past shows. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. Uh, We're also on Spotify. I made mention of that last week, uh, that that was a great surprise that we were, we are now on Spotify. So very thankful and grateful for that. Well, let's get started. Well, tonight, my guest, uh, she is a certified corporate trainer who works with companies that want to increase employee productivity and retention, but they struggle to understand their millennial workforce. Through leadership, diversity, and inclusion training, Kendra equips leaders with the tools and insight they need to motivate and lead their teams. As a minority millennial with 10 years corporate experience, Kendra knows what it takes to motivate millennials and how damaging poor leadership can be. She uses that knowledge to train managers and executives on effective ways to lead their multi-generational teams. A published author and highly sought-after speaker, speaker, that's the Alabama come out in me, Kendra was honored as one of St. Louis St. Louis's top 100 urban influencers. Let's welcome to the show tonight, Miss Kendra Elaine. How you doing, Kendra? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Anytime I can get on this air, <laughs> uh, I'm doing absolutely great. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining in tonight. Now, as I often do with all of my guests, I love to lead in with, especially with one particular question, uh, saying that this is a financial life empowerment show. I always like to delve into the money part or the financial part of my guest. So if you would, please share with us, how, um, how was your money story growing up? Or will you please share your money story growing up? Sure. So my money story growing up, when I, when I think about my money story, I think about my mom and she was actually and still is a very big saver. She is um, an advocate for saving. She used so many different tools as far as, you know, getting bonds and CDs. And, you know, she's the type when she was growing up, she would, you know, save her allowance or save whatever she found and she would go, you know, buy a CD or get a bond and, you know, all of these things. And she was a big saver. So she always taught me um, the power in saving your money and the power in having your own money. She really instilled in me just the values of, of having my own money and being a good money manager and using it wisely and that, you know, you, you work hard and you do things so that you can take care of yourself and do the things that you want to do. So I started working, you know, as soon as I could. Um, I, I think I was working at, at 15. 
Um, my first job was at Krispy Kreme. I just could not wait to work. <laughs> um, you know, I was doing, like, little stuff around the house, you know, you babysit and things like that. But I was just so I wanted a job and I wanted a paycheck and I just wanted my own money. And um, that came a lot from, you know, just my mom watching her and just the stuff she she instilled in me as far as saving and making her own money and just having that sort of independence really kind of shaped who I am and, and how I look at money today. Okay, good. So you had a good a good start, a good foundation of which to uh, to, to build upon. Uh, Absolutely, great story. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now working at Krispy Kreme, I I couldn't <laughs> do that. I see. I went to. We had a Krispy Kreme here locally, and um, I remember you know you could go in and you could actually see the donuts come off of the little conveyor belt and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could I couldn't eat there. I had I had an image of me laying there. <laughs> And let the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Probably sharing too much it's information right now. It's no, yeah, yeah. tempting to do that because the smell will overtake you. And uh, oh. I definitely fell in love with Krispy Kreme and left smelling like glaze all the time. Yes, yes. Uh, they have seen me plenty of times, especially when that hot sign come on. Uh, I remember <laughs> yeah. time, you know, I, I would go out of my way when that hot sign come on. I would, you know, turn around real quickly and <laughs> <laughs> one or two. I probably missed the appointments because I went back for Krispy Kreme. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, my one of my best places. I tell you for donuts and all. So, well, good, good. Well, thank you for sharing uh, your money story. Now, tell us about what you do uh, in your business and what actually influenced you to start your business and all. Absolutely. Well, I have always loved um, public speaking. And it was several years ago, I had been telling my mother that I was like, you know, I want to, I want to um, talk to women. I want to start talking to women about confidence. And so that's kind of how, where my journey started. Um, I started putting out blogs, talking about, you know, being confident and how to, you know, live your best life during your single time and finding your purpose and things like that during that time. And that kind of grew into me getting invited to speak at women's groups and different churches and things like that. And as, as that kind of grew, I started getting more into, you know, finding your purpose, which turned into a lot of goal setting work. And I got, I started transitioning to going to a lot of schools. So like high schools, um, talking about career readiness and goal setting and entrepreneurship and, it was around that time that I started to see that public speaking could be a viable business. You know, at the time I was mm-hmm. kind of doing it just as my heart work. It was something I enjoyed to do and I was doing it on the side of my full-time job. Mm-hmm. And when I realized like, okay, people are making like a living, like a real living doing this. You know, I started <laughs> to um, work with <laughs> different um, business coaches uh, specifically for speakers. And when we were going over, just like my story and my background and just trying to kind of flush out some ideas about where, where I can have the most value from my personal experience. The millennial topic kept coming up. Like multiple people would say, you know, you should really talk about millennials. You should talk about millennials. And I was like, you know, is is that really a topic? Like, I don't, does anybody really (laughs) care? Like, is that like, is that a thing? And so by like, by the time the third person said it, 
I was like, okay, let me look this up and let me Google this. And this was maybe two years ago. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, okay, so it is a thing. Like people are talking about millennials in the workplace. And a lot of what I read was mostly negative and Mm -hmm. it was mostly inaccurate in my viewpoint. Um, It didn't accurately depict my experience as a millennial employee. It didn't depict the experience of other millennials that I knew. And as I started researching, I was like, you know, if this is what companies are listening to, this is why they can't keep anyone because none of this is, it doesn't speak to the actual experience. So they're not getting a clear view of what's really going on. So that's when I started kind of focusing on um, the millennial experience. I started putting blogs out about my own experience. And millennials started reaching out to me um, saying, you know, younger millennials started saying the same thing, like, hey, I'm not motivated. I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, can you talk to me? And so I started coaching them. And from there, I found that it's more effective to target the actual companies and going in and either working with the managers or the HR teams or the leaders and giving them Mm -hmm. the tools that I was using with millennials, helping them understand that mindset, helping them to have an effective coaching conversation and framework so that they can do that with their own teams and just try and increase retention and productivity. And um, it's just kind of grown from there. And um, that's been my focus for for the last year. Okay, correct. Now, I have to ask then, seeing that I am not a millennial, yeah, but I work with a lot of uh, millennials. Uh, uh, probably my largest audience, I would probably say, is uh, are millennials. What are some of the misconceptions uh, uh, regarding millennials? I mean, you're right. A lot of things that I've read or do read uh, on occasion uh, is negative. What are some of the misconceptions mm-hmm. regarding millennials that you can share with us? Um, a couple of the common ones, one um, is that millennials are lazy, which um, statistically speaking is inaccurate. You know, this generation is um, really the the biggest part as far as the gig economy. And most millennials are accustomed to working two and three jobs and they have no problem staying busy, working overtime. I think it usually comes down to, finding something that they're passionate about to really ignite that and to get them into that groove. And um, also it's a misconception because when I talk to managers and they tell me, Oh, I have this one worker. They're so lazy. All all they're doing is sitting around. When we delve into it, usually it's the fact that that employee, what they, what the manager thought would have taken four hours only took them one hour. And so now they have some downtime. So it's not actually that they're lazy and they're not working. It's that they're usually, which, and I can speak to that. I'm the type of person, I want to be efficient. I want to get it done fast and either move on to the next thing or maybe take a little break. And from the outside looking in, that could be interpreted as lazy. Um, Another big one is entitled. Usually when I ask people what they think of millennials, they think of entitlement. And Hmm. with all of the common misconceptions, You know, I tell people it usually comes down to they are misinterpreting the intentions. So the millennial might ask for a raise or a promotion, 
and maybe those communication skills aren't there or they aren't clearly communicating why, and it can come off as being entitled as opposed to, you know, in their mind, you know, all the generations we kind of see entitlement differently. Millennials are, they believe that their contribution should get them things. So while, yes. you know, baby boomers might feel like their their length of time and their tenure should get them things and, you know, Gen X thinks their accolades and, you know, their recognition should get them things. And millennials feel like, you know, okay, I haven't been here that long. I haven't been recognized, but I contribute a lot or I might contribute more than my counterparts. And I think that should get me that raise or that promotion. So again, it's not that they just want it just because, but in their mind, they feel like their contribution should get them mm-hmm. there. Okay. So, so they, they want to feel valued for what they contribute mm-hmm. and then be, oh, yeah, that's, uh, to me, that's fair. See, and see, I, I'm glad to have you here on the show to, to address that because uh, I've heard some of the same things. I've heard the lazy comment. I've heard the entitlement uh, comment. But for the people that I've, I've known or grown to know, uh, that is not the case. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. There are bad apples in every age group, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but 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 to but to to stigmatize or to give this label when it's totally not true is definitely unfair and unjust. So thank you for kind of uh, shedding some light on that. Now I got another, I guess, a follow up question uh, regarding that. What what are some of the uh, issues? Of, well, let's see. What are some of the ways to bridge the gap between millennials? And other groups, do you have like anything in particular, or a certain way, or a certain thing that uh, managers or or, or or companies should do to help bridge the gap between millennials and other age groups? I think it's um, twofold. One, I think it's opening our eyes and having that understanding of each other. When I'm working with any group. I like to do an overview of the different generations. And I think, you know, I say we just have to give each other some grace. The truth is, is that every, you know, we were all raised differently. The economy and the technology was different for all of our generations. And yes. if we have to just, you know, really look at, at where we are and acknowledge, millennials have to acknowledge where other generations came from and why they see the things the way they do. And other generations have to look at millennials and recognize why we see the, the, the world the way we do. Um, when I talk to people and they say, well, you know, there's no loyalty. You all hop from job to job. It's like, okay, but do you see the world we live in right now? We don't have to go door to door with our resume like maybe the baby boomers did. I can go on LinkedIn right now, see who's hiring, how much they're paying, company culture and all this sort of stuff we have greater access, we have greater resources, and we have greater opportunity now so that we are able to choose when we move on and when we stay. And that's not, that doesn't necessarily make us better or worse, but acknowledge that we're in a different time, and so we have different options. And I say we just have to give each other some grace and have that understanding when we deal with each other and when we talk to each other. And that's that um, second fold piece is having the conversation. When I talk to managers and teams about 
working with their millennials, I was like, at the end of the day, it's leadership. You should be having conversations with your team, no matter what their age group is. Having those coaching conversations and those touch points to say, you know, what motivates you? You know, tell me about, you know, your background. Tell me about, you know, your working style and how, you know, how you develop this. Like getting to know your team and having that, that common ground and finding that understanding with the people you work with is one of the biggest things we can do to understand each other and work better together. Because like you said, when you just stigmatize a whole group and you smack a label on them, like, oh, they act that way because they're a millennial and they're clearly entitled and lazy, you're doing them, you're doing them and yourself a disservice because if that's how you're coming in as a manager you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're not going to get your best work out of me if that's how you look at me. If that's right. because that's going to come across and how you talk to me and how you manage me and when you give me assignments. And um, so having that general understanding of, you know, the, the background of the different generations and our motivators and how everything looked when we were coming up and then having those one-on-one conversations is I, I think are the two biggest things to help bridge that gap with when it comes to, you know, any of the generations connecting. Perfect. Uh, I love, love those points. Very key, very important points there. Now uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to go right back into our conversation. Uh, tonight we have Miss Kendra Elaine. Uh, she's a millennial leadership expert. Uh, here on the 13th episode of the Women in the Finances series here on the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Listening to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances Show with host Lionel Shipman on the CWR Talk Network. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese! Followed naturally by an order of wings And another Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car Which, if you're buzzed Could be the most expensive night of your life Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. 
Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show with your host, Lionel Shipman, on the CWR Talk Network. Well, welcome back, and we're continuing uh, our discussion with Ms. Kendra Lane in the 13th episode of the Women in Finances series here on the Shape Your Finances show. And we just uh, had a discussion regarding uh, millennials um, and wanted to continue along those lines, but what kind of want to change gear just a little bit. Uh, Kendra, seeing that mm-hmm. you, transitioned, you transitioned from the corporate life to becoming a business owner for yourself, what are some of the challenges that, that you faced along the way as a professional? Uh, what are some of the issues that you have faced? Absolutely. So um, some of the issues have been uh, understanding the the amount of money it takes to run a business. Um, I was fortunate <laughs> to uh, to have made, you know, to be to be able to have made like a, a slower transition. So, like I said, I kind of started working mine part time while I was in a full time job. Um, Mm -hmm. And so being able to use that to kind of finance, okay, getting a website and things like that. And then also really getting a handle on what it looks like to scale a business. So when I was working full time and I decided to downsize, I didn't quit automatically. I downsized to part time. So then I could focus Mm -hmm. a little bit more on the business, but even just looking at, okay, to replace, you know, that income with the business income. Like, what does that look like? What does it look like to scale, to scale that up and, you know, really set those goals and hit them? Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think there's sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people out there who make entrepreneurship look super easy and super glamorous and super fantastic. Yes, they do. (laughs) They kind of don't share, like, that kind of like first year or the first couple years when, you know, you have to really ramp up to that lifestyle that they're portraying because, you know, you really have to have um, a good business sense and you have to have that discipline of knowing how to set goals and stick to them and how to map that out and, you know, because it's not like when you come to work, like no one's checking on you to say, hey, did you make those? you know, prospect calls to potential clients? Did you send out those emails? Did you record those videos? Like no one is saying that. And it really took some discipline for me to, to really hone in and say, okay, you know, where am I getting my results? Okay. This is where I'm getting my results. How can I maximize that? And what kind of plan do I need to create? And then just from a money standpoint, like, okay, how much money do I need to bring in a month? And what does that Mm -hmm. look like? Is that, you know, is that a certain amount of training? Is that a certain, you know, how many speaking gigs is that? Does that include any extra income? And, you know, planning accordingly. And I think sometimes, you know, people just don't talk about that enough. So for me, that was one of the biggest challenges is just, you know, figuring out that that business side of 
okay, I don't want to do this part-time anymore, but how do I realistically make this my full-time income? Yeah. Now, now did you have a mentor or anyone uh, uh, to help guide you through those processes? Yes. Eventually I did, not not in the beginning, but eventually when I did start taking it, like, more seriously, I started um, seeking out mentors and business coaches to kind of help me really flush out those processes. And, you know, I had to get um, real intentional about, honestly, about the mentors that I picked also um, because I came to realize after I kind of picked a couple of the wrong coaches <laughs> that I needed yeah, that to. happens. Um, it happens, right? And, you know, yeah. when I tell, when I talk to people about, um, you know, goal setting and getting clear on your vision, you know, I, I tell them the story about how, you know, when you're not clear, you can really get derailed. And when I initially wasn't clear on exactly what I wanted to do, you know, I had paid all this money for a coach who took me down this path that wasn't actually what I wanted for my business and wasted a, a lot of money and a lot of things just to have to tear it all down and, you know, start from scratch with what my actual vision was. And I realized that I had to, one, get clear on what I wanted in my business and what I was trying to do and then seek out mentors and coaches who were actually doing that. Like they had experience, um, you know, working as a a full-time speaker or knew how to get paid and highly paid speaking gigs um, and not just any business coach who, you know, wanted to coach me, um, but be really intentional about that. Yeah, they have your best interest at heart. I always use that term. Absolutely. Someone who's going to have your best interest at heart, they're not going to get jealous. Just say if you went from from rags to riches uh, and you you still have them there, that they're going to treat you the same if you're making $50,000 or if it's a million dollars. That's very, mm-hmm. very important, and people don't realize that. Now, did you have any issues with people taking you serious as a young woman, as a young professional doing what you do? Have you ran into any obstacles? Oh, all the time. Um, <laughs> so with, with it particularly, um, so with what I'm doing now, you know, speaking to HR executives and company leaders, um, I think I do have to, it was, especially, especially in the beginning, but even now having to overcome that kind of like, okay, what is this little girl coming in here to talk to me about? Like, <laughs> because I, I look younger than I am and then just, you know, young people in general, millennials, and then that's my topic. So like, oh, here's this girl coming to talk to me about millennials. Like, she's just going to tell me that I need to fill the office with bean bags and have <laughs> snacks everywhere. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it, throw frisbees. <laughs> Exactly. I'm going to tell them to throw frisbees and, you know, get ping pong tables in the break room. Like, so it, it is a constant thing of me. Um, and it's always so funny because you can see, it's like you can almost see that transition when once I start having a conversation with them. Or even there's sometimes when I walk into a, a conference, like a breakout session or a room, and you can see the faces of, oh, what is she about, you know what is she about to talk about? I can't take her seriously. And then once I start talking and once we start getting into the meat of it, they're like, 
oh, okay, so maybe she knows something. Like, okay, like maybe, mm-hmm. okay, I can I can learn something. So definitely as a young woman um, trying to be taken seriously, it, it's been, I won't say a struggle, but it is something that I had to not let bother me and gotcha. just let it fuel me. So I know now that, and, and I knew a while ago, like I just need to be prepared. You know, I, I know my material. I know, uh, you know, the information. And so just being able to go in and when they have that reaction, like let it roll off my back and keep going because I know once I share what I need to share, once we get into the conversation, that they all see the value that I can bring. But it's definitely something that um, I've had to tackle. Okay, gotcha. Now, what what are some, if you can share uh, two or three life lessons that you've learned along your journey here? And of course, your journey is not is far from being over. But what some what are some <laughs> of the life lessons that you can share up to this point that you have learned along the way? Absolutely. So one would be around confidence and what true confidence is. Um, I think sometimes. We think that, you know, confidence is, oh, I'm going to walk in this room and everybody's going to like me and everybody's going to listen to me because I'm so great and I'm so awesome. And, you know, if they don't like me, they're totally stupid and whatever, whatever. And, (laughs) like, I think we've kind of been conditioned to think that that's what confidence is. And, like, real confidence is, you know, having a solid foundation in who you are and saying, you know what, I'm going to walk into this room and I'm going to do my best and I'm prepared. And if, if, if they don't like it or if they don't receive it, I gave my best, but that's right. not going to knock me off my square. That's not going to totally tear me down. You know, all I can do is continue to learn and continue to get better. Um, for me, gotcha. realizing that, you know, confidence is just having that solid foundation um, because when you – when your confidence relies on how people react to you or how they receive you, then it can be broken by how they react and how they receive you. So I think one life lesson is just really when it comes to building your confidence, just have a solid foundation in who you are, know who you are, love who you are, and just continue to work on yourself and get better. Um, The second life lesson is, um, I'd have to say really knowing, allowing the journey to to let you know your vision and really creating your own path. I know for me, I grew up and I was really comfortable being a follower. Um, You know, whatever, you know, we start off with, this is what our parents tell us to do. And then I kind of went into, you know, well, what are my friends doing? And, you know, then I got into the corporate space and it was like I kind of just followed the money. And it wasn't until I, like, took a second to say, well, what do I really want? What, what, does, what would success mean or look like to me? What kind of life do I want to have? And then being intentional about being on that path. Like, it wasn't until then that I really felt fulfilled and happy and, like, I was, you know, in my purpose. So I think that, you know, the – the other major life lesson is know know your know what you really want and don't be afraid to pursue that despite what 
you know, the naysayers or, you know, what other people might say or think, because at the end of the day, your vision, you're the only one who has your vision for your life. So it might not make sense to other people and it doesn't necessarily have to. Um, And it took me a second to to learn that, that, you know what, I don't need everybody to co-sign on on what I'm doing or what I want to do. Yes. Yes. I need wise counsel, but I don't, I don't need everybody's approval because if this vision was put on me and in my heart, then I'm the only one who has it. So I'm the only one who can accomplish it. And if you guys don't understand, you know, that's, that's okay. Um, right. So I think that was that was a big one for me. Oh, cool! Great, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Now, what's what's new on the horizon for you? Anything new coming up? Any workshops or anything that you'll be doing in the next three to six months? Sure, um, I am. I have a mix of so many things. I'm actually in the process of um, going through another certification process to be a Dale Carnegie trainer which is another type of um, training certification. So that's the certification process I'm going through. So I'll be able to um, facilitate those kinds of trainings. I'll be speaking at the National Sales Network. It's called NSN. I'll I'll be speaking at their national conference in Atlanta in August. And I'll be speaking for, uh, I'll be going to Jeff City, um, Jefferson City, Missouri, in July to speak about, you know, generational communication gaps and things like that. So those are, those are the biggest things I have coming up. Cool. Great. Great. Fantastic. Now for those that are wanting to get in touch with you, what would be the best way if you can share your website or any contact uh, information with us? Absolutely. I am Kendra Elaine everywhere. So my website is www.kendraelaine.com. I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook as Kendra Elaine. I think Instagram specifically is Kendra Elaine Speaks. And um, you can contact me via any of those platforms. Um, My email is Kendra at KendraElaine.com. If you ever want to email me, I'm always an open book. So, um, if you ever have any questions or just want to reach out, please feel free to contact me. Okay, great. Kendra, it's, uh, oh, this was a pleasure having you on tonight. Uh, I Thank learned you a so whole much. Lot. I think it's a great combo. Oh, absolutely. And see, I'm, I'm very good with uh, taking notes. I always tell people when you <laughs> come, when you come, when you log on to this show, uh, uh, get a pen and pad ready because uh we always have some great uh, nuggets of information uh, coming forth. And thank you so much for sharing and enlightening us tonight. And uh, I might just have to have you back here on again because I, I have some other <laughs> questions, but we just, just weren't able to get to them tonight. But uh, we'll see if we can uh, uh, urge you to uh, get back on the show another episode, hopefully before the year's out. We'll touch bases with you right Absolutely. Now. Cool, cool. Absolutely. All right. I'm sure there's a lot more to discuss in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It's so much. Okay. Okay. Again, thank you so much for uh, joining tonight. And uh, we, will come to a, we will come to a close then. Uh, that's a wrap. Uh, I want to thank all of you listening audience for tuning in tonight to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. You can catch my show every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
And if you've missed any of the past episodes, you can visit my website at www.shipmanconsulting.com and click on the microphone. It'll take you directly to the radio show uh, page. Uh, have a uh, website page designated for the website, I mean, for the uh, show. And click on any of the topics that I've done. I call some of my solo shows. But then you can also see the gallery of different guests that we've had here on the show. Uh, you can also catch uh, replays of all of our shows. Uh, you can catch us on Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, Spotify, and iTunes. And, of course, you can go to the website and be able to do the same thing as well. So, And if you haven't touched bases with me on social media, you can catch me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, also on LinkedIn. So, in closing, I want you to remember these words regarding your money and your life. Give cheerfully, spend carefully, and invest wisely. We will talk with you next week, but let us go out. You know, I always have to get a little smooth jazz music going on. Uh, This is Paul Jackson, and the song is called Lay It Back. Take care, everyone. Till next time. (laughs) 